Voice of St. Louis original podcast. We've got some late-breaking news as we get into the St. Louis All Local from the KMOX newsroom and, of course, the impacts of the cold. I'm Michael Calhoun. Today is Tuesday, January 16th. Our top local story... A KMOX follow-up. We have an update on the First Baptist Church of Edwardsville that was facing fines and a cease and desist order. A court hearing was scheduled for this Thursday to determine whether or not the church needed a special use permit to provide overnight warming during the cold spell. Edwardsville Mayor Art Rissavi ordered staff to suspend the citation and cancel the court hearing. Mayor Rissavi says it was never our intent to prevent it from operating, particularly at a time of such dangerous weather conditions. The city's concern was only that the facility was safe for people staying there and volunteering there. Maria Aquina, KMOX News. It's spread out over the system. It's, it's rather random. St. Louis Director of Public Utilities, Kurt Scobie, on where water main breaks are in the city. He explains how these breaks are happening. It's kind of a factor of the cold water that uh, we that um, that goes through the mains. In the wintertime with the cold water, the pipes contract and you know, the pipes get stress points on them. Scobie says to avoid home water pipe breaks, open cabinet doors beneath your sink and let your faucets drip slowly. It may be a while for residents to get back in their rooms at Mark Twain Hotel downtown. Pipes burst this morning, forcing city fire to shut off the water and evacuate all eight floors. Captain Garen Mosby. This is an older building, so I, I would I'd go on a ledge to think that some of the components are older. Some may have been updated. But, you know, in these older buildings, sometimes it takes a little longer to get those parts. And just last night, broken water pipes caused all 18 floors of Heritage House on Olive to be evacuated. The Shell Station on Tucker Boulevard near downtown St. Louis is likely to shut down after a recent judgment. A judge revoked the gas station's conditional use permit, citing it violates city ordinances. This comes from a lawsuit which also called them a nuisance due to its decade-long history of crime. The attorney for the group who brought the suit, Paul Percelli, says they believe the crime the station attracts is the bigger issue. It's been a long-standing problem. The, uh, there's long records of, uh, of criminal uh, reports and other incidents at, at this station. Bricelli says the purpose of the city ordinance banning gas stations downtown is meant to deter crime. He adds they will propose the gas station be shut down. Sean Malone, KMOX News. I'm Tiffany Jackson. Alderwoman Kara Spencer says she supports the Shell gas station being shut down in her ward. It's been a major problem for our downtown for a very, very long time, and I'm hopeful that this ruling can help move that along. Spencer said the city had been trying to get it shut down for some time now, but just couldn't get it done. She said the judge's ruling is a step forward for the downtown community. The Bohannon murder trial is delayed. A judge gives a continuance in the trial for Thomas Kinworthy, accused of shooting and killing St. Louis City Police Officer Tamaris Bohannon in August of 2020. The court order says the assistant circuit attorney is sick and an expert witness for the defense was not available to testify for much of the trial. No new trial date has been set, but the judge's order says it won't be until March or April. Stuart McMillan, KMOX News. Tomorrow in Jefferson City, nine new anti-LGBTQ bills will be heard two in the Senate, seven in the House. State Representative Adam Schnelting calls his House bill the Defining Sex Act. If you don't want boys to compete in your daughter's sports, and if you don't want them in your daughter's school bathrooms, or vice versa, 
That's why this is important. Last year, Missouri led the nation in the number of these type of bills. Earlier this year, the Missouri GOP leaders had mentioned that LGBTQ plus issues would take a back seat this year. That's Robert Fisher with Promo Missouri, who says lawmakers continue targeting the LGBT community instead of prioritizing the real problems facing Missourians. Debbie Monterey, KMOX News. The KMOX business desk where Missouri's immigrant population is growing may surprise you. It is possible that that Chesterfield is going to have the third largest immigrant destination in the state. That's, a, that's pretty remarkable. Numbers from the American Community Survey, St. Louis University, using new software to better understand where immigrants are ending up. Professor of Sociology and Demography, Ness Sandoval. We're seeing these neighborhoods change. We're seeing the schools change. Um, and these are highly skilled, highly educated immigrants. And so um, what sets uh, St. Louis apart from other cities as they were attracting different types of immigrants. Although Missouri does not have a very large immigration population in general, Sandoval says we are seeing spatial patterns that resemble the suburbs of Dallas and Chicago. As the news continues, KMOX goes in depth. Even after a meeting today with the EPA, Hazelwood residents are upset they are not getting the answers they like. So that uh, question would probably be best for the Army Corps of Engineers. If you um, find the the EPA site page for this specific Superfund site on the very front page, there's contact information listed. I, I, I don't have a timeline with me. I can certainly reach out to our project manager. While some residents were happy with the information they did receive, many were disappointed with the lack of answers the EPA could provide to questions they did have. Kathy Farrell, a local resident who attended the hearing, came in with expectations it was not going to provide them with the information they wanted. It was a dog and pony show, just like always. I figured that's what it was. Nobody's going to give you any, okay, we're going to do this next week, and the week after that we're going to do that. They're planning on how to word the signs. It's been six months. Rebecca Hutchison came in expecting to receive answers regarding the testing and on-ground operations. I was expecting uh, more information that more, I guess, in-depth uh, information to the questions that were given. Uh, a lot of it was, well, go to the Army Corps. While some, like Karen Nickel, were happy with the information they received about how technical assistance services for communities and technical assistance needs assessments can help local Hayeswood residents navigate legal jargon and explain documentation in layman's terms, she still believes there needs to be better communication with the Corps. When it comes to cleaning up radioactivity in North County with the Army Corps of Engineers, I think the communication is lacking. So who does it rest on to solve the communication issue? Nickel believes it falls on everyone, including the community. It always falls on the community to make that first step to get better communications. Farrell believes local officials can't help solve the communication issue if they aren't being communicated with in the first place. The city manager, he's here at the meeting. He was. Because they don't know either. They don't get any information from the federal government. Nobody does. Meanwhile, Hutchison has been going around trying to raise awareness herself, bringing a trifold sign to the meeting listing her illnesses, displaying a map of radiation, and telling her tragic backstory. They keep saying low level, it's fine, it's not hazardous, and it is so hazardous. As you can see, I've lost five babies, and one of them was right there, which is, we're literally, what, 100 feet from the creek ourselves right now as I'm standing here. 
Hutchison says she's lived within five miles of the creek her entire life. Now, as a result, she's passed on her radiated cells to her two children she did conceive. My son has um, symptoms of the lupus, but it's not showing, but he has cirrhotic arthritis and he has um, eczema and he had chronic fever syndrome uh, from little for five years, which was every um, seven to ten weeks he had terrible fevers, but they could never figure out what was wrong. That went on for five years. Uh, my daughter has, um, uh, I believe it's PCOS, um, where, you know, uh, her reproductive organs, and that those are very sensitive, your eyes, um, your reproductive um, areas are very sensitive to the radioactive waste. The ionizing low level that they say is not harmful which we know it is. So what can be done? While politicians on both sides of the aisle, like Cori Bush and Josh Hawley, have made promises, Farrell isn't getting her hopes up. They're not going to do anything. Either one of them, they're going to get voted out is what's going to happen. Nickel hopes the Army Corps of Engineers does a better job with outreach. As far as Army Corps goes, I think that this will maybe help put them in check and help them understand the needs of this community and how they can do a better job with outreach. And Hutchison would like to see some accountability. It's the agencies that just keep downplaying. It's time now, 82 years later, it's time for them to clean it up, to own up, to be accountable. Until something gets done to solve the issue, Farrell left with this piece of advice. Don't buy houses in Hazelwood or Florissant that are by a creek. Buy water. Sean Malone, KMOX News. The legacy, the long legacy of radioactive waste from the Manhattan Project in World War II dumped in North St. Louis County still having an impact. Thank you for joining us, and you can do so every day. Subscribe, search for St. Louis All Local on your favorite podcast app.